What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thanks for joining me today, listening to the JP Money Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to talk about financial advisors and whether or not you should have one in your life to help keep track of your wealth and keep track of your progress and you know, to look back at where you came from and look to where you're going in the future. And uh, it's a very individual decision, as, uh, is, as is the case for most things financial-related. Uh, so you do you, uh, but we're going to talk about some of the pros and cons today of hiring one. I hope you enjoy. All right. As I said, thank you for joining me today. And as we get into this topic, uh, getting assistance uh, with your financial life and uh, getting somebody else on board to look under the hood alongside you and see what's going on behind the scenes in your financial world. Always a good idea to have that sort of accountability partner, someone to talk to. If you're married, it might be your spouse. If you're not married, it might be a brother or sister or close friend uh, that you've got, parents maybe. Um, but having just somebody else take a peek, uh, so, uh, you can just get a second opinion or know what's going on, uh, really in all areas of life is, uh, something that can be beneficial for you. And so that's sort of what we're talking about today. And, uh, I've had my own ups and downs with this personally, and, uh, I just thought it was a good topic to sort of look at. And, uh, just earlier today, I had finally received my W2 form, uh, from the previous tax year, 2022. Uh, if you work for an employer, you know that they're required to give you those, disclose those to you by January 31st of the following year. And uh, so I got mine and it was just kind of motivating looking at it. You kind of see your your tax savings. You can see what your gross gross pay was. And it's just interesting to sort of track that year to year and, and see, you know, where the upward mobility is at. And, uh, you know, and I, know I always recommend the same thing with a monthly budget. It's just kind of fun to look back after the month and go, oh, here's where I overspend. Here's where I underspend. Here's what I can fix for next month. And uh, just a good time of year to do that in your annual tax planning because uh, you're going to be filing those here shortly, I'm sure, in, in February or March. And it's uh, just interesting to look back and see. Um, so that being said, financial advisors, should we do them? Should we not do them? just a few things to consider. And I'm not going to give you a straight up answer because I don't think there's a straight up answer for anything in personal finance, you know, other than not spending more than you, you know, more than you bring in. That's about the only hard and fast rule that I'll stick to uh, or recommend sticking to. But beyond that, uh, I always operate under the policy of you do you. I can share my experience and what's worked for me uh, and what I read about and what I hear from others. But other than that, uh, this is something you got to decide for yourself and with your personal, you know, situation. So, uh, just kind of looking at some statistics that I saw from uh, a book that I recently read, and I apologize, I can't remember the title, and I can't really go back and look at my my previous books that I had checked out from the library because that's not the way the the app works on, on my cell phone. But uh, I remember reading in it that seventy uh, percent of millionaires, okay, that were surveyed and the survey that was done, uh, used a full scale you know investment company. Uh, meaning a financial advisor or a financial planner, some sort of wealth advisory firm uh, to look at to look at their stuff. So that's the numbers speak for themselves. Again, 70% of millionaires had used some type of service. Okay. Now, things to think about, one third of those millionaires that use the full scale financial, you know, investment firm paid zero dollars for their investment advice. 
and 56% of them, again, the millionaires, paid 1%. So you can kind of see there, uh, almost, you know, that almost totals to 100%. So just about, you know, all of them were paying very low fees uh, with the investment advice that they were uh, receiving. Okay. And then just a follow-up statistic from that was that more than half said uh, that the appreciation in their portfolios, so the investment gains in their portfolios, were not from investment advice that they had received. It was from their own study. Uh, again, I'll let the statistics speak for themselves. It sounds like a majority, at least, of these millionaires that at least participated in this survey had said that the investment advice that they received uh, really had nothing to do uh, with the growth and, and therefore the fact that they were becoming a, uh, a millionaire. Getting in the game, I think the lesson is getting in the game is it's much more important than uh, knowing how to play the game. And I think that's true for for investment in general. Of course, you can always optimize and, and get more, you know, the more uh, education you receive and the more, maybe the more you're willing to pay to get additional advice, certainly go down that road when, when you get there. But getting in the game, getting skin in the game is kind of the top way to get that compound interest snowball rolling for you in the right direction. You know, just something that, you know, uh, people who have a larger net worth and their their income is growing and their net worth is growing, you know, you may want to consider looking into uh, a fee-only financial planner that has a fiduciary obligation, okay? Fiduciary meaning they're behaving and making decisions that are in the best interest of their client, not for their own sake. Uh, that's what fiduciary means. And, you know, fee only means that the the fee that is being paid to the investment professional is being paid by the client. So the client knows up front exactly what they're paying. Again, it might be 1%. Uh, it might be an hourly fee. Hey, I'm, I'm going to pay you $100 an hour to give me this advice. Let's sit down for a couple hours and you can give me the advice. Can be something called AUM, which is assets under management. Which means, you know, I've got a million dollars in the bank account and, uh, you know, you're investing it for me right off the top. You're taking 1% of AUM, uh, which, you know, if my math comes out uh, correctly there, that would be about $10,000 uh, that would be, you know, if it was a million dollar portfolio every year annually that would go to this investment firm or this investment professional. And uh, again, uh, the, the reason why I bring that, bring that up is because having an awareness of where money is trickling away to, um, especially passive money, money that you're not even actively pursuing, money that's sitting in a bank account or sitting in an investment account. I'm not even saying you need to make changes, or, but just knowing where it's going can pay really big dividends in the long term, quite literally. Uh, money that you know is going to the broker instead of getting paid back to you in the form of a dividend. Uh, but but metaphorically and symbolically too, uh, over the long term, a one percent fee is really really going to eat away at, uh, at you know returns in the in the long term. Uh, and, and at least for people that are my age or younger, you might not have a ton of money in the in the bank account, in the retirement accounts, in the taxable brokerage accounts because you're younger. You haven't had time to have compound interest do its work, or maybe it's a negative you know uh, market environment where you know, stocks and bonds are just down. And so your, your money in your portfolio is down. So when you hit, you know, a 1% fee on $10,000, you know, your, your $100, you may not feel it, might not even notice it, but when you got a million or 2 million sitting in the retirement accounts, 
uh, you're going to feel that pinch of, you know, 10, 20 grand being, being taken out. Uh, and maybe, well, maybe that's a, a bad example, but with the 1% fee, again, 1% fee is not a ton, but some people are paying five, six, eight, ten percent 10%. That's when you really start to feel it. Okay. When you got a couple million dollars sitting in there and you're hit with a, a 10% investment advisement fee, that's a hundred grand out of your pocket. That's a big, that's a big deal. Same thing with understanding stock market fluctuations. Again, uh, it's easy to be strong in the short term of saying, you know, I can handle a 50% stock market route. Uh, if that drops over 50% in the next year or two, I can handle that. I'm used to it. I know it's part of the cycle. That's very easy to say, especially uh, when you got, you know, 100 grand sitting in your account and you lose 50 grand. Uh, it's not going to be fun, but you can handle it. You know it'll bounce back. Maybe you got time on your side. But when you're older, you get in your 50s and 60s and you got a million, two million sitting in there and you hit a 50% market decline. Now we're talking 500 grand plus that you lost in a year from doing nothing. And that behavioral aspect of uh, you know investing, I think is, is really important. Uh, and that's where I think a wealth manager um, might be really important for you to have someone in your corner that can help with that. Uh, and again, uh, this show does not give financial advice. I am not a financial advisor, just a guy who's passionate about the topic. Uh, so this is not investment advice. You should seek out your own tax planner, your own investment professional to look at your personalized situation. Okay, but I think we can all agree that uh, you know watching a five hundred thousand dollar decline in your bank account, uh, you're not going to be sleeping real well that night, uh, probably for the majority of us. Okay, so. And I really think that this is a, a really interesting topic to study because uh, there's a generational impact too. You know, someone who's 22, 23 years old listening to this, you have opportunities with the internet that, uh, you know, your parents or your parents' parents had no access to back in the 1970s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s even. I mean, in the 2000, 2001, there was explosion of the, the something called the internet, which didn't exist uh, before you were born for some of you kids that are listening. Uh, and so when the internet came around, there was a tons of opportunity for people to invest directly and get their own financial education to be able to DIY this thing. Uh, but even then, even though you can do it by yourself, there's a lot of questions that kind of fall back on, on tax planning and optimization. Should I put money in a Roth IRA? Should I use a uh, traditional IRA? Should I use Vanguard? Should I use, um, uh, you know, one of these other platforms, should I, uh, should I be buying bonds? How much bonds should I be buying? Should I be doing 90% stocks, 10% bonds? Should I be doing 50% stocks? Should I just do a target date fund? A lot of different things to consider that, you know, 70, uh, back in the 1970s and 80s, there was, uh, something called the stock broker where you had to, the really, this was really the only way to get into the stock market, at least as far as I know at the time I wasn't alive either, but you had to hire someone kind of knew people in the business or worked on Wall Street or was connected, you know, to via a telephone to call someone on Wall Street to buy, you know, a certain stock. Um, you know, I'm sure that even some point in time, probably we didn't even have mutual funds. Like you, the only way to get into the stock market was to buy directly from a from a company. And so times have changed a lot, obviously. Um, but you know, it's hard to look at what someone does that is uh, in their 60s or 70s now and compare it to what you should be doing now because there's totally different levels of access uh, back, back you know, 30, 40 years ago. Even the 401k and the Roth IRA 
two things that I talk about a lot to the two, two most, you know, obvious and most accessible tax advantage retirement buckets to put, to place ex, you know, excess funds in, uh, they didn't exist 40 years ago. Um, they're relatively new in the financial, financial world. Uh, and so that can be something to just, you know, understand that when you have, you know, a lot of diversification coming, a lot of tax diversification, a lot of uh, just a different asset allocation, having someone in your corner to just be able to talk about your blind spots, look at them, and at least help you understand what you're doing with your money can be very impactful. That's where when you seek out these fee-only financial planners, you know, at least, and again, this kind of goes back to the book where I was reading where the 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 author of the the book really talked about the behavioral aspect of having a financial professional in your life to really look at the holistic picture of your income, where money's coming from, how that impacts your life, your happiness, your relationships. Okay, can help you carve out carve out goals. Looking at okay, is what where your money's going, is it going to help you meet your goals in the next five years, in the next ten years? In the next 20 years, do you want to have a family? Do you want to have a house? How big do you want the house to be? What area of the country do you want to live in? What's your health insurance picture look like? Do you have a a history of health issues? Does your spouse have a history of health issues? Do you have a child that has health issues? How are you going to pass money on to your heirs? How are you going to uh, put money, you know, carve out a will and leave money behind for others? Are they going to pay taxes on that money? Are they not going to pay taxes on that money? Who, you know, you have, uh, sometimes spouses don't talk about finances, and if one spouse passes away, do you do you know the, the password to their account? Do you know how to, have you guys talked about that? So those sort of, all of those extra additional things to think about, in my opinion, can be addressed and brought up by a professional wealth planner, okay? That's where I, I'm sort of really in the, in the camp of, especially as the net worth grows, maybe you're going from 50, you know, 50K net worth to 500K net worth. Once you start getting up in that, you know, several hundred thousand dollars, optimizing those decisions and having somebody in your corner to talk to uh, can be a, a really, you know, positive thing. So that's kind of where I stand. That's my thoughts on that. Um, another big reason is some people are so clueless when it comes to money and so uh, uncomfortable. Maybe they came from a childhood where money was never talked about. It was taboo. It was inappropriate. Uh, and so they don't even know how to get started, where to go. I think that's another scenario where hiring someone to get you going, get you started, uh, can be a really good thing, uh, cause getting skin in the game is more important than anything else. Uh, so now that being said, there's a lot of sharks out there. There are a lot of investment firms and uh, individuals that are out to get your money. Uh, and, uh, it's their job to get your money. So this is where the knowledge piece is really important. That's where I talked about having the financial advisor, planner, wealth manager disclose to you how they are getting paid. So just a couple questions you can ask him or her. Uh, number one, what specifically am I going to pay you, you know, for you giving me investment advice or helping me out with my accounts? Okay. They might tell you what the flat fee is. Hey, I charge $100 an hour or, you know, I charge $200 a year. Okay. I'm a big fan of those flat fees because over time, your assets under management are going to increase if you don't touch them, you know? Uh, so if they say, I'm going to charge 2%, you better really, you know, know what you're getting into when that's the case because 
you know, that's going to, uh, you know, 2% of a couple million dollars, that's going to be a lot, a lot of money. Uh, and sometimes it can, it's kind of hard to move money to get money out of certain accounts. Uh, you know, they have uh, different fee structures that, again, they might not even disclose to you in the first place, even though I'm sure they're legally obligated to. Um, so sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. So just asking that question up front, how specifically am I going to pay you uh, is really important. Question number two, what value am I getting from you? Okay, put the ball in their court. Let them explain. Let them sell themselves why they're important to have around. Okay, if you've listened to some of our investment episodes here on the JP Money Podcast before, you understand that there are things called low-cost index funds that charge basically nothing. And you can put money in there, and over the long term, it's going to grow. Uh, who knows by how much? It could be 1%, could be 5%, could be 10%. But uh, if if history holds true, which is not always reflective, uh, certainly in the same pattern or matter, manner, but uh, in the long term, those investments should grow. And, uh, you know, why are you paying fees on top of that to have this financial advisor? So that's question number two. And a good one, a good one can answer that and give you a legitimate, respectful answer that you might buy into. And you might say, yeah, great. Let's hire you. I am getting that value from you. And that's exactly what I need. Uh, so I am not here saying financial advisors are bad people. I mean, who knows? I could become one in the future. But they, in order to be good at it, you know, they should be able to explain you why having them in your court, you know, is uh, important to you and how the what value they're going to bring you. So that's you know question number two, and then question number three, <clears throat> you know, and maybe you just get a feel for this, but are you acting in my best interest? Can I trust you? You know, is this someone you want to talk about? your family to your faith with, you want to have them know that you're worth $2.2 million or whatever you want to bring, you know, your you know person is going to know you pretty closely. So you need to give them that sort of litmus test to see, is this someone I can trust? So that's sort of some things to think about, sort of some things to ask. Again, I'm a big fan of just the holistic viewpoint of, you know, this person needs to not understand how my money's being invested, but can they talk to me about tax planning? Can they talk to me about are they going to reach out to me in December and with a tax loss harvesting opportunity to say, hey, uh, the stock market's down this year. We can we can sell this asset. We can move it into this new fund. You'll be able to write a loss off on your taxes, uh, and you'll still have you know totally legal you know gains here in the other other account moving forward, and you'll just get a tax perk for that. Is that someone you can trust to give you that advice? Those are some things I can think about. Always be um, you know aware of commissions that they're getting paid. I used to work in the the life insurance industry and uh, some agents will do something called churning their clients where they buy you into a, a financial product, an insurance product, and then they'll cancel it for a couple of years later. Like, oh yeah, this one's not that good. There's a better one out here. Let's cancel this and move you into this. And they'll do that. And you're paying all these fees in the background that you don't even know about. And they're getting all these commissions and kickbacks from opening new accounts. Okay. And I think there's some the SEC sort of cracked down on that in some ways, but I'm sure it still goes on in the financial industry. You really need to have someone that you trust and can look at in the eye and say, hey, I'm, I'm, I have your best interest in mind and I'm going to look out for you and your family. Those are some things to think about. I know, uh, you know, in the world of robo-advisors, there's a lot of algorithms and a lot of uh, data-proven ways to balance your portfolio and do things automatically. I like the active approach myself. I am very much like to be involved in what's going on under the hood. So Verdict's still out on that one for me specifically. I haven't studied it a whole lot, to be honest, but uh, I know they exist. Uh, just know what fees you're getting into and understand that having like an actual person in your corner to 
meet with you once a year, whenever it is to talk through not just your investments, but your whole life plan uh, is a good thing to have. So just know what you're paying for it. Yeah. So th those are my thoughts on hiring a financial advisor. Hopefully uh, you can just think about it. Good time of year to reflect on the whole holistic annual picture here as tax season's coming up. And uh, thanks for listening to the JP Money Podcast. I'm going to go enjoy the rest of my snow day here in mid-Michigan. Uh, this is, uh, you know, late January. And as a teacher, public high school, they close down, uh, close down school when you get several inches of snow because it's just not safe for the kids out there. So, you know, you don't want the bus routes, buses slipping off the road, stuff like that. So uh, we're just home relaxing today. It's a great day. All right. Thanks again for listening to the show. Have a good one. And remember, tough times don't last tough people do. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Jordan here, the host of the JP Money Show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please share it with others if you found it useful or helpful. And remember, this is not intended to be financial advice. You should consult a professional financial advisor to help you run the numbers and look at your own personal financial situation. Thank you. Thank you.